So a couple of weeks ago we had a uh, special service and we had testimony uh, time and we had uh, Joe testified and uh, Pam testified and Weston testified and uh, we were scheduled to have Sam testify and he graciously uh, said, hey, um, I can do that at another time. So last week, if you were uh, not with us, you missed a really uh, big uh, rain treat. Uh, we had a storm like we've never had before and uh, it was uh, ankle deep water in several different places uh, as we tried to get in here. And so we did not have testimony time last week, but due to God's sovereignty, you're here today and you get to hear Sam Hankins give his testimony. Come on up, brother. We love Sam. We appreciate his ministry to us every week. Get your Kleenex ready. And he's promised to keep it under an hour. I'm going to pray for you. God bless you. Father, thank you for Sam. Thank you for bringing him into this fellowship. And uh, thank you, Lord, for the way you've worked in his life, the way you're working in our lives. Thank you for bringing us here together. Strengthen us. Encourage us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. See? Get started already. I was once a man who could not shed a tear. I was cold as a stone. Jesus Christ saved me. I'm going to try to... I wrote stuff down to try to keep this thing brief because I think testimonies are part <clears throat> of your everything. Your every being from birth to death is part of our testimony. Mine's long and convoluted, so I'm going to... I'd like to... There's a lot of miraculous things that have happened within the past six years. I think it's six years ago this spring I, I became a Christian. So... I'm going to try to keep this concise and read a little bit so if I don't make eye contact with him, forgive me. Uh, let's see. We're going to start for a place where my life had been, excuse me, following a downhill spiral after my wife's first illness. She uh, had a blocked renal artery, which caused a lot of problems that we didn't really know. Uh, my musical career had been 35 years. I hated it. I was on the ropes. It was tedious. It was painful. My marriage was bad. Bad habits had taken control of my life. All the vices and anything that you can imagine that goes with that business. I wanted to change, but I felt really hopeless to do so. I didn't know where to go. didn't know what to do about it. But this illness kind of snapped me into a place where I had to redirect priorities in my life and uh, find what we call in the business a straight job and a job that could make some money to support my wife because uh, uh, she was a medical professional and she supported us quite well and allowed me to do this music thing. But uh, I had to redirect those priorities and it happened at a time when we were in a bad, the country had a bad recession, so there was no jobs, there was collapsing stock market, failing society. I drifted from temporary agency to agency, taking on any kind of job that would have an old man like myself. And uh, <clears throat> I never found anything enough to support us, let alone give us health insurance, which is what she needed desperately. And uh, 
She had been the breadwinner of the house and supported us quite well for years. Now it was my turn to return that favor, and I was failing miserably at it. And I was digging myself a really new low, and I didn't, at the point, have the will to live anymore. And uh, I found myself working nights in a biker bar as a cook. Pretty good cook. <laughs> they liked it. But it was tough. Tough even to enter the door. I had to get high as a kite just to get in there, just to deal with it all, because it was so depressing. I was eating a lot of antidepressants and such. Anyways, I'd seek better employment during the day and work at night in this bar. My wife miraculously recovered enough to go back to work, and that was, that was a good thing. <clears throat> but we had fallen behind in our money so much that it forced us into a bankruptcy. And my choices possessions naturally became the first to go because we needed cash. So I need to speak loud. All right. You're in trouble now. Uh, I lost my beloved Harley Davidson, my Les Paul guitar, all that stuff. That was instant cash. But the, the interesting thing was, I don't know, um, another illness was creeping into my wife. It was called vascular dementia because these blood pressure spikes pop some capillaries in the brain. These bleed outs kill brain tissue and this dead brain tissue causes memory loss. And uh, since Alzheimer's runs in her family, it took her father and her grandmother, there was a bit of that creeping in too. She was extremely depressed and actually we were, we were things were not working correctly. These were problems we were unaware of and, and not little unprepared for. And I believe at this point, I cried out to God. And little did I know when I look back on it now that he was orchestrating all these events to bring me to a point. I didn't realize it at the time. But funny enough, the money I had left over the sale of my motorcycle was the exact amount needed to purchase this little white pickup truck that wasn't even supposed to be on the lot that God led me to because God gave me a courier job that this truck would be needed in in order for me to have the alone time to listen to radio preachers that brought me to Christ. What a plan. This is, it, it gets so insane that, that nobody really believes, you know, what, what's happening here. And during this time, my wife went back to work. We started saving some money, but we, our house went up for auction and, and uh, we lost the house. I moved in, us into an apartment. Um, Jane was becoming less and less able to function at the high level that was required. This dementia was really taking us hard. They, if you study it, they drop in plateaus. You'll see steps and then a drop and steps and a drop. I had stayed up on it. Our relationship was failing. And I'd given it the year of the lease, 12 months, write itself or give it up. I watched that little nest egg within 10 months halved because my job alone was not enough to handle the medical needs and look like another hit was coming. The radio preachers, however, found their way into my heart. I had a little route that took a five hour round trip. So I listened to radio preachers all the way up. I had five hours of that. And I spent many tearful miles softened to the message of the gospel, finally coming to that realization that only God could save us. 
Amen. I got home and I grabbed my antidepressants and my cholesterol meds, whatever I was taking, and I just threw it all in the trash. And I hollered out to God. I said, if you are who they say you are, heal me. And he did. I gave myself to Christ. I don't know if it's the next morning or not, but I remember getting up and walking through the uh, apartment door that separates the bedroom from the kitchen living area. And I had this incredible lightness of being as if I was not on the ground. I... And believe it or not, it doesn't matter because it wasn't for you, it was for me. And I felt this was the Holy Spirit. And the thought that went through my head was that I had been given the power not to be a slave to sin anymore. It was that simple. You know, I had done, I had drugs, paraphernalia, I had booze in the closet. Anything vice you can capture, I was into. But I had this, I could just say, yeah, enough, enough. This is not what God wants me to do. And uh, the radio preachers, they said, hey, hearing and reading the word is how you're going to get it. Well, I was hearing five hours a day of it. So I went and bought a Bible. Didn't realize how many versions there were. <laughs> Gee, just making up your mind. I said, I got to go. Well, what the heck? But anyway, I grabbed that Bible. And by the time, and God had given me this time, I would get home around lunchtime. I would eat lunch. After listening to five hours of the preachers, I'd open that Bible and I'd read till Jane woke up. Till about, that was about four. So I got about an average of eight hours of gospel a day. Constantly. And it had been changing my life. And uh, radio preachers again said, Thanks for listening to us, but we're not your church. Go out and find a church in your community because you need fellowship with the saints. You can't do this by yourself. We appreciate you listening to us, though. But find a church. I opened up my mailbox and there's this flyer. What's this? A little tree on it. It says Blackman Baptist Church. We're a church plant. We're new. We're brand new. I said, I'm brand new. <laughs> Come visit us. We are at Blackman Community. What? I can see it. I can walk from my apartment to this place. I said, this isn't God talking to him, I'm going. So the next Sunday I went down and I crept in and sat in the back, tried to keep a low profile until I saw Weston's beautiful guitar. <laughs> it's a nice instrument. It's a breed, breed love, isn't it? It's a good quality piece. And uh, I said, hey man, can I see that? He said, you play? I said, I dabble in that. I've done it. And uh, music was a, a, a gift that gave, I knew at age three, I'm banging on the piano, I'm writing songs, and I'm playing every instrument I can grab a hold of. And then I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, and that's, and that's what I'm going to be right there. 
And I pursued it. And once again, these Bible preachers turned me on to a book called Gods of War. It's about idols in your life. And I discovered that this has been an idol my entire life. I put everything subjected to music. Wife, family, friends, everything was secondary. God, everything was secondary to this pursuit. And uh, I wanted to show God I was serious. And, and I, I put it down. I said, no, this is done. And that wasn't God's plan. So this little church gave it right back to me. And when they found out I was a musician and they needed worship players, which I find another amazing miracle. So my gift now glorifies the giver instead of me. And allows me to serve the body of Christ in a unique way. And which I, I love. I live for my Sundays and it's through all these times and these bad times. And I've been struggling. I struggle. I still struggle. I'm alone because I vowed to be my wife's caregiver and I did the best I could under trying circumstances. But as her condition worsened, she was receptive to me reading the scriptures to her and brought her to church and all this. And I thought, you know, this is, this is cool. But then as it progressed, a deep depression uh, spawned a litany of, of hurt and accusations of things that were insane. And then, and then it ended up creating an alternate reality where she was telling my family and friends things that just weren't real. Now, I don't blame her a bit because when you believe something's real, you believe something's real. You know? It's not her fault. If you know about... Alzheimer's and depression and any type of these, these you know, I, I'd rather have cancer than have a brain disease. It took my personality and my wits and my, my love and everything. But Jane was a pretty sharp girl and uh, I wasn't. So my family tended to believe these things. So I lost my family, lost my son. And uh, she convinced him to move in with him, and what she did, and divorced me. And uh, I spent my 38th wedding anniversary alone, and that was tough. And uh, all this time, though, this is not for pity, this is not for anything like that. Because all this time, all you saints here at Blackman became my family. And you prayed over me. You laid your hands on me. You blessed me in ways that, that you don't know. And uh, at Thanksgiving, Myra and Dan Willman invited me into their home for that Thanksgiving. And it was such a blessing because I really didn't need to be alone at that time. And I think they perceived that. And as I'm leaving the house with my own 40 doggy bags of <laughs> delicious insanity here, Myra says, well, what are you doing for Christmas? got nowhere to go. And they brought me in with a family celebration. Just their family and it was me. 
I'm blessed you, Father. God bless you, Dad. I love you. I will stop a bullet for you. They presented me with gifts, food, fellowship, strength, hope, an example on how to live as as a spirit-filled Christian. And that's what I took with it. And I promise you that it's real. And I promise you that it's true. And, And I think God gives us we're going to suffer. We've got to learn how to suffer well. Jesus said, man, you're going to follow me, you're going to suffer. Believe it. But the thing is, when you have family, this fellowship, this incredible thing, this amazing group of people have, you've got all that you need because that Christ lives in every one of you people. And you are my family. And I'm getting way long. And so I'm stopping. But I, I was reading... Uh, this week, I came across this verse in Micah. The verse was what? 7, 8, and 9. And I thought, wow, thanks. You do that to me all the time. You pop these things in my face. It says, Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against Him. Until He pleads my case and executes justice for me, He will bring me forth to the light and I will see His righteousness. I love you people. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Sam.